Well, as I said earlier, for anybody that may have came late or come online late, JB, he tested positive for COVID a couple of weeks ago. He is at home and recovering, but he has been released and he'll be back on Wednesday and all normal Wednesday activities and everything will continue this week. But due to all of that, I've been at home and I had to quarantine for several days and uh, not just quarantining away from um, society, but also quarantining with my or away from my family um, because my mother lives with us and so I was separated from them and Lauren she so much wanted to be with me she wanted she would sit outside my door she would talk to me and she would reach out and she'd be giving me air hugs and saying daddy I just want to touch you I'm going to kiss you I'm going to hold you and um, then on the day that the quarantine was lifted, we were able to be reconciled back together. And um, I went into our room where she was asleep and I told her, hey, today's the day. And so she jumped up out of bed and whenever it was time for school, rather than having to fight her and get her up, she excitedly got up and she came and gave me a great big hug and she loved on me. And that's the way God is for all of us. God desires to be reconciled to man, and so he has a plan of reconciliation. And that plan is the story of the Bible, how the perfect righteous God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. JB has taught us that time and time again, and that's what this passage is dealing with, God's plan of reconciliation. But not only are we going to see God's plan of reconciliation, but we're going to see our responsibility. What is it? that we, as those who are in Christ, who are new creations in Christ, those who have been reconciled back to God, what is our responsibility? What are we to do as we wait for Christ's return? So with that being said, let's jump right into our passage and um, as there's so much in this passage. But look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 17. He starts out saying, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new Creature. And that word, therefore, is a summary statement. And so we need to look back and see what is he talking about? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and he's been talking to the Corinthians, and he's been telling them, you know, what's our motivation to do ministry? What, what motivates us? And he's been talking about temporal things versus eternal things. And then in verse 10, he says, you want some motivation? Here's some motivation, that one day, each and every one of us is going to stand before our Savior, Jesus Christ, to be to give an account of our lives. And we're going to be rewarded on what we've done in this body, whether it's good or worthless. And so a motivation to do what God has called us to do is that one day we're going to stand before our Savior, the one who died on the cross to pay for our sins, the one who willingly went to the cross of Calvary, bore in his body our sins, whose flesh was ripped away, who was hanging on the cross. He did that for us, and we're going to stand before him, and so that should motivate us to do the ministry that God has called us to do. And then in verses 14 and 15, he says, the love of Christ controls us. You see, Jesus Christ died and rose again, and we are not to live for ourselves, but we are to live 
for Christ is what he says. And so the love of Christ controls us. Understanding how much Jesus Christ loves us should control our lives. You know, you see it all the time on TV shows and movies that, you know, somebody saves a person's life and then they're like, well, I'm willing to do anything for you. Well, that's the way we're supposed to be because he doesn't just save a temporal life that eventually one day will die. He gives us eternal life. And so we should be excited. We should be motivated to live for him. And then in verse 17, he says, therefore, therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And that if in the Greek is a first class if. And it's not the if of if it rains today or if it doesn't rain today, then I'll do this or that. It is, it can be translated since. Therefore, since we are in Christ, because who's he writing to? He's writing to the church at Corinth. Therefore, since we are in Christ, we are new creations. We're not who we used to be. We're not old sinners saved by grace. We are new creations in Christ. We are what Romans 6 talks about, that we've died and rose again with Christ to a new life. We're what John 3 talks about, that we're born again. We're what Ephesians talks about, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but now we're alive in Jesus Christ. So we have this new part of us that 1 John talks about that cannot sin. We are new creations in Christ. We're not who we used to be, so we don't need to be living like who we used to be. So we're new creations. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ and we're placed in the body of Christ, we're positionally with Christ at the right hand of the throne of God, Ephesians chapter two, at the moment we believe in Jesus Christ, but we're also placed in the body of Christ, the church, to use our gifts, talents, and abilities to do the ministry that God has called us to do. And so we are in Christ as new creations. And then he says, the old things have passed away, behold, new things have come. Well, what old things have passed away? The old thing of us being separated from God from all eternity, it's passed away. That's not going to happen. We've got new life. We have eternal life. And so we're no longer dead. That The death has passed away and we're with him and we have life. The old thing passed away, the thing that that allows us to, to learn the deeper things of God's word, that's passed away because now we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us to teach us the deeper things of God's word, the spiritual things that are found in God's word. And so the old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So we have the new things. We have life. We have the the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have a home in heaven being prepared for us. We've got all of these things. We get spiritual gifts. And in the next verse, in verse 18, what does he say? All these things are from God. It's God who gives us these things, these new things, and we are to use them for his honor and his glory. But look at what else it says there in verse 18. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, this is the story of the Bible as JB has taught us, how the perfect righteous God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. It is God reconciling man back to himself through Christ. Christ is the only way to be reconciled to God. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except 
through me, except through the person of Jesus Christ. In Acts 4.12, for there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name given among men by which you might be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. And so we're reconciled to God through the person of Jesus Christ. We're gonna see more on that because he gives a little more details in the next verse. But look at how this verse ends. That God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. God has given to every believer the ministry of reconciliation. You see, that's what we need to understand because so many times people look and they say, hey, the pastor is the one who is in ministry. He's the one that is to be doing the ministry. But this verse tells us that all believers, anyone who has been reconciled to God, anybody who is in Christ, anybody who is a new creation, he has given to you a ministry of reconciliation. You think about Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. He gave pastors this gift to do what? To equip the saints, that's the believers, that's the congregation, that's the church, to do the ministry, to build up the body. So we, as pastors, equip the saints, you, to go out and to do the ministry, the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of making disciples for Jesus Christ. And so each and every one of us who are here today, who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, you are in ministry. You have a ministry that you are to do. And Paul says here, it is the ministry of reconciliation. So since we have been given a ministry, then we need to understand what is that ministry? How does it work? And Paul goes on to explain even more in verse 19. He says, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So again, we see it is God who was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. You see, God never moved. If you go back in the book of Genesis, what was going on there at the beginning? God created man, created Adam and Eve. They were walking in the garden. They were in complete harmony with God. And God gave them some, some information that you can eat from any tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what did they do? They went and ate from the, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what did they do? They realized that they needed to hide. They, they, they tried to go and hide. They were naked and they, they understood all of these things all of a sudden. And so they went and they tried to hide for God, from God and God comes and he calls and he's like, Adam, Eve, where are you? And um, they're hiding from God, but um, he knew where they were and they, he realized that, hey, that they had sinned. He knew that they had sinned. And um, so he begins to implement his plan of reconciliation. He didn't say, oh no, they messed up. Now I've got to have a plan. He began to implement his plan of reconciliation that he had from all eternity past. And so in his plan of reconciliation, what did he say? That the seed of woman is going to come and crush the head of the serpent. And then he gives more revelation throughout the Old Testament that this Messiah, this Savior is going to come through Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. This, this Messiah and Savior is going to be the greater son of David that is going to sit on the throne for all eternity. This one is 
the one that John the Baptist claimed as the Lamb of God who was going to take away the sin of the world. And then Jesus Christ, he came on the scene. He lived a perfect life and he willingly went to the cross of Calvary and died for you and for me, for the sins of the entire world. He died willingly. And then if you look at at Peter and Paul and their messages in John in the, in the New Testament, what are they writing about? This person, this 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 plan of reconciliation that God had from all eternity. And it's in the person of Jesus Christ. And so you see, it's the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, God's plan of reconciliation of God bringing man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. So how did he do this plan? Well, look at what verse 19 says. It says, by not counting their trespasses against them. You say, well, yeah, I know God, man. He's a loving God. He's merciful, but he's also just. So the question comes, how can a just God not count our trespasses against us? Look down to verse 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, he made Christ, God made Christ, who knew no sin. He was perfect in all ways, yet without sin. He, he was a man, but he was without sin. He was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. And he died. He took our sins upon himself. He became our substitute. Isaiah 53, 6, all of us like sheep have gone astray, each of us to our own way, but the Lord caused the iniquities of us all to fall on him. Romans, Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He took our place. He became our substitute. But he didn't just die for us. He died for the entire world. 1 John 2.2, 2, he is a satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. Look at what verse 19 says again. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. You see, God's plan of reconciliation is available for all people. In John three sixteen, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his only begotten son to die on the cross, to pay for our sins, to take our sins upon himself to rise again from the grave, conquering death, so that, as John 3.16 goes on to say, so that whoever, that's anyone, believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So you can have eternal life. You can be reconciled to God because of what Jesus Christ did for you. By believing in him, you get eternal life. You get reconciliation. So if you're here today and you've never understood God's plan of reconciliation, if you've never understood the way to have eternal life, if you're out there watching online and you've not understood God's plan of reconciliation and the way to have eternal life, look at this, look at John 3.16, the most well-known verse in the Bible. It tells you that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It is that simple and it's God's plan of reconciliation. Well, look at what he goes on to say. For those of us who, have, who are in Christ, to, for those of us who are new creations, what has he given to us? We've already seen that he has placed us 
in ministry, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, but at the end of verse nine, he says that he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. As believers, as new creations in Christ, we have the responsibility to tell others of God's plan of reconciliation. The word of reconciliation, oftentimes we call it the gospel, the good news message of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel, what Jesus Christ did for us. And Paul had gone to Corinth. He had preached the gospel to them. Then he writes this letter in 1 Corinthians. And he wants to make sure that they understand the gospel that he preached to them. He wants to make sure that they understood the clear message, what it was that Jesus Christ did for them. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, he outlines it. And he says in verse 1, the gospel which I preached to you. And then in verse 3, he says, for I delivered to you as of first importance. You see, the gospel is the most important message that we need to get out to the unbelieving world because without the gospel, without people believing in Jesus Christ, then they're not reconciled to God. They don't have life. They don't have eternal life. They don't have what they need to be with God. God provided the way of reconciliation and it's through the person of Jesus Christ. And so we need to give the information of Jesus Christ to them and it's found in the gospel. And so he goes on and he says, for I delivered to you as of first importance that which I also received. You see, Paul got his message directly from Jesus Christ. He says that in the book of Galatians. I delivered you as of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died on the cross. He died on the cross paying for our sins. He bore in his body our sins on the cross. He did as 2 Corinthians 5, 21 said, that he took our sins upon himself and he died in our place. And then he was buried, proving that his death was real. And then three days later, he was erased, conquering death, just as the scripture said. You see, the scripture said, Isaiah 53, you go back to there, and you see the suffering servant passage, and that, that the Lord was going to lay on him the iniquities of us all. And then in Psalm 16, you see that he was not going to allow his Holy One to undergo decay. So according to the scriptures, God's plan of reconciliation from Genesis to Revelation is that this God was going to, this person, Jesus Christ, was going to die and rise again so that we could have eternal life through him. And Paul tells them, this is the gospel which I preach to you. This is the good news message, the word of reconciliation that we are to take to the world. But look on to verse 20 as he goes on and explains even more about our responsibility and how we are to do this. He says in verse 20, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, or therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Notice verse 20 starts again with another therefore. Therefore, since what I just told you, that you are in Christ, you're a new creature, you've been given the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation, then what are we to do? We are to be his ambassadors. And an ambassador is someone who represents another person. You see, see, we are Christ's representatives while we're here on this earth, and we are to represent him in word and deed. We are to live a good life so that whenever we speak the gospel it comes with authority. It comes with someone who is living a Christ-like life. And so he says that we are 
his ambassadors. But look at what else he says. He says, we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. You know, the question comes about how many times are we going out begging people to be reconciled to God rather than what we normally do is make excuses. Well, if the opportunity arises, I've got my excuse to get out. You know, I'm too busy. Or maybe, you know, I would do it, but this other person is just too busy and I'd like to share the gospel with them, but, you know, just now is not an appropriate time because they're too busy. Or I just don't know enough information, so I'm off the hook for right now. Or maybe I'm too young or maybe I'm too old. You know, we've all got excuses, but God says we're not supposed to have excuses. We are to be going out as those who are in Christ. We are to be begging people to be reconciled to God. And look at what he says. He says, I beg you on behalf of Christ. We need to make sure that they understand that it's not that Jesus died and rose again. If you believe in him, you have eternal life. You know, it's just a simple message like that. They need to realize what it is that Jesus Christ did for them. They need to understand Christ's love. It's though Christ were beseeching through us. Like Christ is screaming out to them. Today, if JB would have been here, what would we have seen? We would have seen Christ on the cross. And we would have seen him crying out to the Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's there and he he has been ripped apart and he's gasping for every breath and he's doing it out of his love for you and me. They've been telling him, come down off the cross, show us that you're the Christ. He can't come down off the cross because he's bearing in his body our sins. He's being separated from God the Father, from the Holy Spirit at that point in time. And and he's screaming, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's been with them from eternity past, and now he's being separated from them as he bears in his body our sins on the cross. We need to make sure that the people that we're talking to, the people that we are trying to persuade with the gospel to believe in Jesus Christ, we need to make sure that they understand the love that Christ has for them. And that's, I said the word persuade, and that's what Paul liked to use. And we see it several times in scripture. If you look back up to verse 11, it says, we persuade men. But look at these verses, or you don't have to look at them, you don't have to turn there, but listen to this. You might write them down and go look at them sometime. But in Acts chapter 18, Paul is actually in Corinth. And um, this, this is him on his second missionary journey, and listen to what he was doing. It says, and he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. So he was reasoning in the Sabbath, trying to persuade the Jews and Greeks, trying to give as much information. He didn't just do it one time. It's a one and done. No, he's giving them more information every Sabbath. He's giving them information so that he's trying to persuade them to believe in Jesus Christ. In Acts 26, verse 28, Paul has been using his testimony as a way to share the gospel before King Agrippa. He is to, to give his testimony. King Agrippa wants to know what's going on. He's, you know, he has the opportunity to throw Paul in prison or, or to, to release him. And so Paul's pleading with him, using his testimony to share the gospel. And King Agrippa replies to Paul in Acts 26, 28. He says, in a short time, will you persuade me to become a Christian? And Paul says, 
I hope not only you, but all who are hearing would be persuaded to become a Christian. You see, Paul was persuading people. He was using any means he could to share the gospel with other people. There's many ways to share the gospel, but one good way to share the gospel is using your testimony. What did you hear whenever you put your faith in Jesus Christ? What did you understand about Jesus Christ and what he did for you? And you can share that message with other people and let them know that it wasn't your goodness, your righteousness that got you there. It was your faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul was doing in Acts 26, 28. Then in Acts 28, 23b, and he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets from morning until evening. You see, Paul was giving them as much information as he could about who Jesus Christ was and what he did. He didn't say, hey, you know, I already wrote you that letter in 1 Corinthians. Why don't you go look at verses, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. I mean, that's the gospel that I preached to you. No, what was he doing? He was going back to the law of Moses and to the prophets to show them God's plan of reconciliation that is all the way through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. He goes back and he shows them. So when Paul talked to people about Christ, he gave them a lot of information about who Christ was and what he did. He took time. He was there every Sabbath. He was reasoning with them from morning till evening. He took time. He didn't just say, well, I'm going to throw the message out there and then maybe they'll get it, maybe they won't. He continued on and he took time to be with them, to persuade them to believe in Jesus Christ. And he made it clear that the message was for all people. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter your nationality. The message of Jesus Christ, the message of reconciliation is for all people people. And so he wanted them to understand that. He persuaded them as though God were beseeching through him. He begged them on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. And that's what we are to be doing as well. So in verse 21, he kind of sums it up and he gives us that reminder of who it is that reconciles us to himself and how it is done through the person of Jesus Christ. Again, in verse 21, it says, He, and that's God, made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ, the perfect man who was tempted in all things as we are yet without sin, bore in his body our sins on the cross so that we might die, die to sin and live to righteousness because it's by his wounds that we have been healed. You see, in this verse, we see the great exchange, our sin for God's righteousness. And it comes through the person of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ paid the penalty for sin for all people for all time. For, as I talked about earlier, 1 John 2, 2, and Hebrews 2, 9, and several other places. But we don't just get to be with God because Jesus Christ paid the penalty for sin. We need the forgiveness of sin, which comes by faith. Acts 
10.43 and 13.38. We need his righteousness, which comes by faith, Romans 4.5. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. You see, it's not our goodness, our works, our righteousness, our keeping the law that gets us to, to God. It's through faith in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul says in Philippians 3.9, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ. So we get God's righteousness. We get eternal life. We get forgiveness of sin. We get all of those, and they come by faith in Jesus Christ. So what have we seen this morning? First of all, we've seen God's plan of reconciliation and how it is the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, how the perfect righteous God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. He placed on Christ our sins. Christ bore in his body our sins on the cross. And we get his righteousness. We get eternal life. We get reconciliation by faith in Jesus Christ. And then, so that's the first thing we've seen. And then also we have seen for those of us who are in Christ, who are new creations, God has given us a ministry, a ministry of reconciliation, the word of reconciliation, so we can represent him on this earth, persuading people, begging people on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. So let's think about some applications. Number one is let's know God's plan of reconciliation. Let's know what it is that God did for us through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's know what it is so that we can tell it to others. Let's know what it is so that we can know, we can have a security, so we can have the assurance of our salvation. Let's know what God's plan of reconciliation and how we get reconciled to God. And then number two, let's understand our responsibility as ambassadors. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We've been given the word of reconciliation. And so we are his ambassadors. We are his representatives who are to be begging people on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. So whenever we leave this place today, let's don't just leave this place. Let's don't just be thinking about somebody that we can share a message with. Let's be thinking about opportunities, looking for opportunities, making opportunities for us to go out and to be begging people to be reconciled to God, to be persuading people. You see, that's what we are to be doing. We're to be persuading people to believe in Jesus Christ. We're to be giving them the information about Christ so that they'll believe in him and have eternal life. That's what God has given us to do. That's our responsibility. That's what he has commissioned us to do. I like a quote that JB used whenever he taught this passage. He said, the birth of Christ brought God to man, but Christ on the cross brought man to God. See, God had a plan from all eternity past of how he was going to reconcile man back to himself. And it was through his son, Jesus Christ on the cross. Let's use that as our motivation as we go out into this community and share Jesus's message of reconciliation, God's message of reconciliation.